0: presents the pick six podcast featuring cbs nfl writers pete prisco and will brimson nfl insider jason la Fora and host nick costos you want nfl talk we've got nfl talk from training camp to the super bowl and through the nfl draft our fearsome foursome has you covered this is the pick six podcast Special edition of the Pick Six podcast, Nick Costos and Will Brinson, as we preview the American Football Conference. Billy B, you excited? I am thrilled, Nick Costos. <laughs> I
1: am absolutely thrilled. People can subscribe to this regular podcast on <laughs> iTunes, leave a review, rate. No, I'm fine. We'll have a good time running through these teams. Um, it's Monday morning. I'm a little tired. Uh, me too. When we're recording this, and we'll have the regular Monday podcast out in a, you know, a little bit as well. And that's when we'll take care of Game of Thrones and, and all that good stuff. Um uh, you can follow
0: us on Twitter at Will Brinson at the Costas. Who's up first? Uh we have the Buffalo Bills. We're gonna go in uh in division order, so AFC East first in alphabetical order, and that means we start with the team with the longest playoff drought in the National Football League, Will Brinson. The Buffalo Bills. Your overall thoughts right now on their season, Sean McDermott's first season in charge.
1: Yeah, I find the Bills to be a very uh, I would say the Bills are an enigma wrapped in a riddle. Um, coated in a fine dusting of confusion If that, you know, I, I don't, I don't think we know what the bills are going to be. Right. I mean, on offense, you have a situation where you have Tyrod Taylor, who's underrated Sammy Watkins, who's overrated. I, I a, think
0: Sammy might be properly rated at this point.
1: Okay, fine. Sammy's properly. I was going to say LaShawn McCoy is the properly rated one, but they have these, they have these nice headlining pieces of skill position guys who can do a lot of things but I don't know that I trust that their offense will be good. Does that make sense?
0: I think it makes a lot of sense here, right? Cause I don't think that they are that really that committed to Tyrod as the franchise guy behind this year, beyond this year. So let's see what happens here as it concerns that. But it's all contingent on Sammy Watkins. The one thing you can say is with Rick Dennison now running the offense here and no more Rex Ryan, I think that this will be a 21st century offense, not straight out of the prehistoric era. So they will be looking to throw the ball a little bit more here. But I agree with you, man. When you talked about them and you said it was the riddle and, uh, and the confusion, And I would put all of that inside a labyrinth because it's very difficult to sort of go with where these Buffalo Bills are going to go this year to think about how this is going to turn out. But what's interesting here, their final five games of the season, host the Patriots, host the Colts. Host the Dolphins, so three home games from December third to the seventeenth. Then at New England and and at Miami to end the season. So four of those final five games against the Patriots and Dolphins. So if the Bills can tread water heading into that final stretch, that final month, they've got a shot here to make some noise in the AFC East.
1: Yeah, for the perspective of they would have two games to lose against the Patriots late in the season. <laughs>
0: Um, well they might hope that maybe the Patriots have it wrapped up by Thanksgiving and they're running Jimmy Garoppolo out there for a couple of those games.
1: That might that might be worse. than Pidge back anyway, but we don't want to make this about the Patriots, but I do think I think I think the interesting thing about the Bills for me, maybe even more so than the the because I think the offense will at least be capable. Functional. Jones, yeah, functional. Right, right, right. I maybe mean, Rick Dennison can come in there and, and and utilize the weapons. Zay Jones is a nice ad as a rookie. Um, he's he's an experienced guy who should be able to help them right away. Defensively, when you look at what this defense is, it is this bizarre collection of players from multiple regimes, right? So you have the Sean McDermott regime um, and and Billy Billy Bean that that acquired the players that they got this off season. Brandon, and you, Brandon Bean. Brandon Bean, sorry, Billy Bean is the the A's guy. Like I said, Monday morning. Uh, then you have uh, Moneyball rec-
0: in Western New York. I like it.
1: <laughs> right. 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 Then you have the Rex Ryan group. You know he brought he wanted to get Reggie Ragland and you have Shaq Lawson. How, like how much of those first two round picks in the you know in the 2016 draft can actually like be able to to add on to this team? And this team was sort of built to be a three four defense, but then transition to a four three and yeah. and maybe is fit to be. It's 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 just gonna be. I think it's gonna be a tough job making this a good defense. There are players, but I don't know that they're gonna be an elite defense right away. If they are, Sean McDermott. We're going to get some Coach of the Year votes.
0: No, and, and- – there's a lot of ifs associated with this Bills defense, right? It's like if Shaq Lawson can can be healthy the whole year and he can produce, if Reggie Raglin can come off the torn ACL and be pretty good, if Marcel Darius can keep up his level of play, if first-round rookie cornerback Tredavious White can step in and replace the departed Stephon Gilmore, if, 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 if. So if, if all of that happens, the Bills could have a solid defense, and we're looking at them as a playoff team. But I see Buffalo in no man's land this year, Will. I'm thinking around 7-9 and nine for the Bills and Sean McDermott its first year.
1: Yeah, I think a 500 season would be very good for the Bills, and second place in the AFC East would be, have to be considered a win at this point in my mind.
0: Next up is the Miami Dolphins. And, Will Brinson, unless you've been living under a rock, you know they have a new starting quarterback, and I think it might be the greatest thing in the history of sports. Jay Cutler now with the Dolphins after the Ryan Tannehill injury. We don't know how long Tannehill will be out for. The expectation probably is the entire season. But Jay Cutler here, Will, on South Beach here, reunited with Coach Adam Gase.
1: So just walking down like the streets of South Beach, Tank top on, Sig hanging loosely from his lips. Middle finger
0: to the paparazzi.
1: Yeah, I love the idea of Jay Cutler in Miami. And I'm glad that this worked out because the AFC East was very nearly just dead in the water. I mean, the Jets are going to be terrible. The Bills, maybe, you know, they're they're just a, a question mark. And then the Dolphins were supposed to be the big challenger for the Patriots, or at least the closest thing. And now... Miami actually has a quarterback who I think functionally can be as good as Ryan Tannehill. Jay Cutler has been a top 10 or 15 quarterback at various points in his career. Yep. And he was his most efficient in 2015, 64.5 percent completion percentage, 7.6 yards per attempt. Cut down on the interceptions. That's when he was playing for Adam Gase. They like each other. Gase Gase said this off that he didn't pursue Jay Cutler mainly because out of respect for Ryan Tannehill and the things he thought Ryan Tannehill did. And now that now that Tannehill is probably done for the year, it's time to bring Cutler in. And I, and I think look, there are question marks as Larry Tunsil moves from the from the from the guard position to left tackle. You know. Is the interior, is there enough protection there? But Cutler's a guy who can play under pressure. He's he's played with bad offensive lines before, and there are weapons there. And and Devontae Parker, Jarvis Landry, and Kenny Stills. And with Jay Ajayi coming out of the backfield, There's a potential for this offense to be good.
0: I think the offense will be better with Cutler than it would have been with Tannehill. Because you get the sense that Gase really had the muzzle on Tannehill last year. Like, wanted him to manage the game a little bit more. They leaned on that run game. Cutler's got more of that gunslinger mentality. I think Cutler's a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill. And now with Devontae Parker, like you referenced, and those other weapons. I think this is going to be a more vertical offense. Take advantage of Cutler's huge arm. And that was always the issue with Tannehill. His deep ball was absolutely horrendous. Cutler throws a great Deep ball. He's got a howitzer attached to his right shoulder here. I think, if anything, it makes the Dolphins a lot more interesting. And I'm more apt to put Miami in the wild card conversation in the AFC with Cuddy under center than with Ryan Tannehill. I see the Dolphins' will as an 8-10 to 10 win team. I would not be shocked if, like last year, we saw them maybe grab the sixth seed in the AFC.
1: I think it's a step back for the Dolphins a little bit. I had them going 6-10 and 10 with Tannehill healthy. Wow. Um I don't. I don't. I'm not. I'm not inclined to move it up a whole lot with Cutler's addition, mainly because you know you talked about that schedule. We talked about this with the Bills. They got to play the Bills twice. That's a December seventeenth trip into Buffalo. That's not easy. They're on the road on Christmas Eve in Kansas City. Not easy. And they play the Patriots twice after after Thanksgiving. in, In addition to hosting the Broncos once at home. I mean, that is a brutal six game stretch to close out the season. I think if you win two of those games, you're doing a pretty good work. And I think that the Dolphins will struggle late in the year, and they don't exactly have it easy out of the gates either. They play uh, Tampa at home in week one. Yeah, that's not guaranteed let's, to be win. Yeah,
0: let's stick with that game here because I think it's interesting, and the assumption will be that Cutler starts that game, not Matt Bohr.
1: Uh, I mean, let's be clear. Jay Cutler is, is – is, like they haven't even announced the contract as of Monday morning. They will probably announce it at some time today. Jay Cutler is already the starting quarterback. That's no no question.
0: I mean, maybe, maybe you could say, like, oh, he's not up to speed, but then he did play in Gase's offense, so it'll be Cutler.
1: Yeah, three, I mean, like, this is a lot of time. I mean, like, the full pre solid month, yeah. That's a, that's a lot of time to, to get a guy acclimated to a system he already understands and to get him in the building and in place. I mean, I, I think I, – I don't think there's going to be a noticeable hiccup when it comes to Cutler.
0: I think that the Dolphins need to win that game in week one against the Bucs. And I give yes. them, and I give them a better shot with Cutler than I would have with Tannehill. Oh yeah, well,
1: or certainly for Matt Moore. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah, I mean, look, cause then you have the Saints and the Titans. You have the Jets on the road early, the Chargers on the road early. It's a lot of travel, a lot of tough teams, Falcons on the road. This is a very tough schedule for them.
0: Will meet the new boss, same as the old boss. The defending Super Bowl champion New England Patriots look prime to repeat in 2017. This is as loaded a roster that I've seen this team have, maybe since that 2007 squad that went 18 and one and lost in Super Bowl 42. Yeah, the
1: I mean, like this is one of the this is kind of a stupid thing to get be concerned about. But I mean, like I'm a little worried that the Patriots are too obviously going to dominate this season. It's hard to find it's hard to find anything really less than twelve wins for them on the schedule when you start to look at who they're facing. Now, I mean look, granted, it's not a it's not a cakewalk. I mean you you know they have to play the Broncos on the road. They have to play the Chiefs at home to open up, but they're gonna win that game. The Saints on the road is tough. The Panthers are a tough matchup. Chargers, Falcons. I mean they have a lot of difficult opponents, but then you look at this closure and, and the Steelers on the road too late. That's a big one. Yeah, but the, but I mean like you look down the stretch, they get at Buffalo, at Miami, Buffalo, and then the Jets at home. For like, or they, get, they get they get the Dolphins, Bills, and Jets in s- five of their last six games.
0: It's wild now, how the schedule worked out for the AFC East. All these teams are playing each other at the end of the year,
1: right? And that should make it interesting because it in in theory, because the Patriots, you know, you don't have that theor- theoretically. There won't be as much separation between the two. But it's easy to see the Patriots winning the first three of those matchups and then all of a sudden they go to Pittsburgh and they're up five games in the AFC East. I, I agree with you. This, this team is loaded. The difference to me between this team and the 07 team is that I would say that the 07 team is more explosive offensively. We'll um, see.
0: I don't know if I agree with that. We'll, we'll, we'll see but, how it ends up turning out. I'm not saying Brandon Cooks is Randy Moss. He's not Randy Moss, but he's going to, he's going to give that vertical threat that the Patriots have not had since they had Randy Moss.
1: Yeah. And it's a different kind of vertical threat too, but it, Cooks is more like, you can pass it to him five at the line of scrimmage and he'll take
0: it 90 yards. He's like Tavon Austin except good.
1: <laughs> right, right. And, and he can run the deep routes too. Um, look, don't get me wrong, I I think it'll be close. I mean, last year Or even, no, I'm sorry, two years ago, the Patriots were even kind of on pace to match those 07 numbers because of modern football. They're capable of putting up similar numbers. Defensively is where they're, they're really deep. I mean, they add Stefan Gilmore. They add Coney Ely. Let's, let's hold off on on whether or not Ely is actually going to end up being good, but they don't, they don't have any rookies and very few new guys who are going to have to be forced to jump in and start and learn and be part of the starting lineup. The offensive line, which is always critical, appears to be in pretty good shape. And um, should have some continuity. And, of course, they have Tom Brady. The running back situation, Nick, is what fascinates me because Bill Belichick mentioned it the other day. He said we're going to try and be a little more versatile than we were last year. And,
0: and not predictable. Like LeGarrette Blunt, you're running it. James White, you're likely throwing it. Now they've got guys that can do a little bit of everything.
1: They, I mean they have between James White, Deion Lewis, Mike Gilleslie, Rex Burkhead.
0: G- Gilleslie may be the greatest mispronunciation of a name of all time. Mike Gillesley.
1: Is it Gillisley? i
0: will
1: oh, never pronounce it right. That, that, that's
0: incredible.
1: I'm looking at it, yeah, it's Gillis. Gillisley is so much easier to say than Gillesley.
0: <laughs>
1: I don't know. I don't know. It's been a long weekend. Uh, but my point being is that that's a really versatile group of dudes. You could you could take you could take that group of running backs right, and you could run like a fifty-one personnel. I mean you couldn't do it. it would probably be illegal but you could, but you could try like four of those running well, backs Well if
0: any team were going to break the rules it would be this one let's be or honest actually, <laughs> like,
1: I guess you could actually do a 50 personnel right five offensive linemen five running backs and Tom Brady so zero tight ends zero wide receivers and if you put Dion Lewis James White Rex Burkhead um and let's say uh like and split them out and then you had Mike Gillisley and uh and and James Devlin in the backfield you wouldn't really know what the Patriots like. The Patriots could do some damage with that, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's fascinating with all those running backs, and I love that cornerback combination. You mentioned Gilmore; he along with market with uh, Malcolm Butler, who the Patriots held on to. They didn't trade him, and these weapons on offense. You mentioned Cooks, Dwayne Allen, also there now. All the running backs. Um, I love the Brandon Cooks edition a lot. I see this as no less than a 12-win team and probably in the 13-14 to range. But I'm sure that you agree. I know you agree, and they're the favorite, obviously, to to win the Super Bowl. That December 17th game at Pittsburgh is going to be huge because I think these are the two best teams in the AFC. That game could very well determine who gets home field advantage in the AFC playoffs. So December 17th at the Pittsburgh Steelers will, I think, the big game for the New England Patriots. Not much going on this year, Will, for the New York Jets. Um, they're going to pre- be bad.
1: This preview should be thirty seconds. The
0: Jets. Uh, all right, are, are we? This is going to be the preview. Are you ready? The New York Jets are on the clock. I think that's that's your season preview for the 2017 Jets.
1: I will say that the, the and since we're talking important games on the schedule here, that there are two. There's a key set of games. I'm going to make it two because it's the Jets and we're making this short. Week four. Against the Jacksonville Jaguars at home on October first, and Week Five at the Cleveland Browns on October eighth. These players and these coaches aren't going to lay down and tank. No. Okay.
0: No, and Todd and, Bowles is coaching for his job.
1: Sure, of course, yeah. I mean, like he's he's basically um, Lou from Major League at this point, right? <laughs> I mean, like I mean, isn't he? And like Woody Johnson is in that little leopard print bikini, and that's uh,
0: that might be the worst visual I've, I've ever had. Thank you for that. Uh-huh.
1: And, but he's also wearing like his little white Jets hat and the leopard skin. Yes, yes,
0: if there were like a Woody, a Woody Johnson action figure, it would come with the white Jets hat that, that you could re- remove it or put it on him.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. So those two games, if the Browns—I mean, if the Jets, excuse me—are were to win Same those, thing. yeah, right. If they were to win those two games, then I would consider the Jets unlikely to find the number one pick.
0: There are a lot of quarterbacks in next year's draft, and I know that that Darnold's going to be – excuse me, Darnold's going to be the one that everyone's looking at the most, the one that people are going to want, but... Josh Allen from Wyoming, another name here, but look, this team's going to be bad, and I know Jets fans listening to this, you know your team's going to be bad, so let's talk about what would make this season a success, even with a a 2-5 to win team. For me, it's a couple different things. You want to see Jamal Adams, the first round pick, the safety out of LSU, you want to see him be a tone setter at the back end of that defense. That would be the first thing. The second thing, I think you want either Christian Hackenberg or Bryce Petty to play at least decent over the back oh, end of this what? season. No, oh, I, th- I, th- I think you do because because look, then maybe then you don't have to invest the capital in that first round pick. No, look, we know what Petty is at this point. McCown's not going to start sixteen games because he's going to get hurt with his reckless style. I'd like to see Christian Hackenberg come in if I'm a Jets fan and at least look somewhat functional.
1: No, that's the worst case scenario. If Christian Hackenberg comes in and looks somewhat functional. You can talk yourself out of using a first that first round pick on a quarterback.
0: But if he's good, then you could spend that first round pick somewhere else.
1: Well, I mean, like, but, no. See, I think that's the. I, I mean, I think to me that's if you're going to tank, if you, you don't tank and then take like Arden Key.
0: <laughs> I mean, you could potentially if you wanted that defense to be really studly.
1: I mean, I guess I. I mean, look, I like Arden. I think Arden Key's a stud. I mean, don't get me wrong, but if you're going to tank to get a quarterback. You, <laughs> Christian Hackenberg's not gonna be the guy. I don't, I'm not buying, there's, there, there's always somebody trying to leak something about Christian Hackenberg. He's not the guy, he stinks, he's gonna stink, the only guy who likes him is Pete Prisco and then Chris Law. It, he's not, he's not, he's not good. Alright, so the Jets stink, if they win, Three games. It's a, if they win three games and Hackenberg looks good, this is the ultimate nightmare season.
0: If if the Jets win five games, they should have a parade down the Canyon of Heroes in New York City come season's end because this might be the the worst roster, Will Brinson, I've ever seen. And that includes the 2008 Lions and last year's disgraceful Cleveland Browns outfit that went 1 and 15. Moving into the AFC North, the Baltimore Ravens, Will Brinson, they seem like they're cursed.
1: They look, I don't know, Nick, it's hard to, it's hard to look at Baltimore and expect and I think you mentioned this on the on the podcast previously there's a there's a viable discussion to be had about whether or not John Harbaugh is going to end find himself on the hot seat I think and, he's
0: I think he's out after this year you know I you know I've been saying that
1: now, if they win nine games and make the playoffs, that's he's, he's not going. Oh, there.
0: correct. If they get make the playoffs, he stays. Yeah. But I don't think they're going to make the playoffs.
1: The good news for him is that the AFC. You would much rather be a, a wild card team dealing with injuries in the AFC than you would a wild card team dealing with injuries in the NFC. In my opinion, I think that while the AFC West is pretty stacked, there are some. You know, look, the Patriots are going to win the AFC East. Somebody's going to trundle out of the AFC South.
0: Trundle, great word.
1: Yeah, trundle, that's a great word. Um, the AFC North is going to be dangerous, but you're the, you know, you're the Ravens. You have to assume you, you, you know, you can, like you have to finish above the Bengals if you want to be in the playoffs. And so, and so I think that, I think they're still a competitive team for a wild card spot, but these injuries in, in training camp are a major red flag. And we've talked about it. Joe Flacco, to me, they're, they're, I I would say, I think the most important game of the season for the Bengals is week three. In London against the Jaguars, I mean for the Ravens, excuse me, it's week three in London against the Jaguars because that's a – London games get weird and the Jaguars could be a a team that scares you a little bit. And if you lose that game and you come out of this initial four-game stretch, one and three –
0: You're in big, huge trouble.
1: You're in big, a big, huge steaming pile of poo-poo.
0: I think the Week 1 game, and like I love what you said about the Jacksonville game, and you're right, I think the Week 1 game in Cincinnati is very critical as well. If the Ravens can somehow escape the Queen City with a victory and start off 1-0, I'll feel a lot better about about where things are trending here. But I think the defense will be pretty solid, as always. You love the Jefferson signing, great safety tandem with him and Eric Weddle. Um, Ozzie Ozzie Newsome reinforcing that defense with some good young players. The secondary, I think, could be better. I worry about this offense, though, even with the addition of Jeremy Macklin, because we don't know what we're going to get about Prashad Perriman. Mike Wallace is a nice player, but I don't look at him as a game-changer unless you get him like get him in space and he runs for 80 yards. And the Kenneth Dixon injury, I think, is massive, and I don't know if the Ravens are going to be able to be balanced on offense, and that's been their bugaboo in recent years. They throw 50 times with Joe Flacco. That kind of thing works if you have, I don't know, Dan Marino, Aaron Rodgers, or Tom Brady, and I like Joe Flacco more than most people, but this Ravens team has got to be able to run the ball like they did back with Bernard Pierce and Ray Rice when they were winning a Super Bowl they can't be doing that with Terrence West and Danny Woodhead so if Baltimore can't run the ball here I think this team is set up to fail Will the coming up this season
1: yeah I think that's a great call because even if like you're not going to trot out West and Lorenzo Talaferro and expect them to just dominate in the ground game and you don't have the, this complement of weapons for Joe Flacco like, like, it's like Jeremy Macklin, Mike Wallace, and Brashad Perryman. None of those guys are really big possession receivers, but none of them are big speed guys. Mike Wallace, I mean, I guess Perryman and Wallace are, you know, theoretically deep burners, but there's, there's just a lot of unknowns when it comes to those guys. I do like Michael Campanero a little bit. I, I think, th- I think this is a team that will find ways to squeak out wins against bad offenses and struggle to keep up with anybody like the Steelers or the, like, th- this is not a, this is not a team that is any, that is, that is, this team is no longer in the same class as the Patriots and the Ravens. I mean, the Patriots and the Steelers when it comes to the AFC.
0: The Cincinnati Bengals, Will, I know from doing this podcast with you for a couple weeks now, you and I both pretty high on the Bengals this year, one year out of the playoffs, the first time in the Andy Dalton era that the Bengals did not make the postseason. You think they'll, uh, they'll get back there this year.
1: I think the two there are two players. Well, actually, there's there's more than two players. There's four players that, that to me are going to be the biggest impact guys on this team, and they're all on offense. I think I think you're going to see a, a good effort defensively from the Bengals, pretty much no matter what. I mean, they have a ton of talent. I mean, like he, like you can say oh, what you want about Vontez perfect, but they have talent at linebacker between him and Kevin Minter. You know, Drake Kirkpatrick is there. Adam Jones is suspended, but, but he's, you know, going to be somehow capable even at the age of like 55. On offense, the four guys I look at are Cedric O'Bea, who's going to be their left tackle, Jake Fisher, who's going to be their right tackle. These guys are replacing Andrew Whitworth and Andre Smith. What a
0: great call by you to start with the offensive lineman. I didn't think you were going in that direction, but you're so right with that.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, like if those guys, cause O'Bea was a fifty a 2015 first rounder and Fisher was the second rounder of that year. I mean, this is why they were drafted to be the, the the end pieces in protecting Andy Dalton, they weren't ready out of the gates, but they didn't have to be. And the question is, are if they're ready now, this offense is going to be a lot better than people think. And I think the addition John Ross and Tyler Eifert make a huge difference in terms of replacing what they were getting from uh, Muhammad Sanu and and uh, who else left uh, Marvin Jones. Marvin yes, Jones, yeah. Like like you, this offense is not going to function if it's just Andy Dalton winging it up to AJ Green fifty times a game. If Ross, and by the way, Ross is somehow the healthiest first round wide receiver in this draft class. And considering he's
0: not healthy, like, or hasn't been healthy, that, that, that is noteworthy.
1: Didn't see that coming. Um, I think between, when you start to look at how this shapes up, if you buy into the hype of Joe Mixon, and then you add in the Giovanni Bernard factor, Jeremy Hill is a plotter, but he, you know, he can at least do some work in the red zone. Then you look at Green, Ross, and you add in Eifert, who's. Dude, to...
0: this offense could be ridiculous if, I to think... your point, those offensive linemen keep Dalton upright. This team's going to score a ton of points and be a lot of fun to watch.
1: Yeah, I, I think that this has the chance to be. And, and how about us talking on, you know, on podcasts or people on the, they're like, Zampezi is making, you know, Ken Zampezi's the offensive coordinator. Zampezi's is a great name to get hyped up about. And it's not Jim Bob Cooter level, but you can yell Zampizi. Kenny Z. Yeah, right? And so. I look at this offense as sort of a sleeping giant of sorts if everything clicks right. I like the Bengals this year a little bit. I think the Bengals are a playoff team.
0: And, you know, that last game of the season, New Year's Eve at Baltimore, I think could turn out to be critical for them. They also host the Steelers on December 4th. But not a bad schedule there. Let me give you from November 26th on. They host the Browns. In theory, should be a win. You get the Steelers at home, definitely a winnable spot at home. They only leave Cincinnati twice after Giving. that's it, great it, and th- the, the, the Browns Bears. the Bears and the Lions yes, yes so I think that those are three wins for the Bengals here Will I'm going to say it right now I think the Bengals will be back in the playoffs after missing it last year but it all does depend on the left tackle and the right tackle keeping Andy Dalton upright now the Cleveland Browns went 1-15 last year they're not going to go 1-15 again this year Will but I'm not sure how much better they're actually going to be as it concerns the wins and losses
1: yeah, I I we did our season predictions and and um you know I just don't Nick, I look at it and it's just hard to it's just hard to imagine a situation where the Browns are coming out of this season with you know I think I ended up giving them uh, I was four and twelve, and I like the Browns, right? Like, I like I was like, I was trying to find more wins for the Browns, and I just couldn't do it. Brock Osweiler starting their first preseason game, which I guess gives him a leg up in terms of the quarterback competition. I don't they think could,
0: they could really go either way, and I know that's why you said could and not will. But I mean, I, I I don't know that Osweiler starting the first preseason game means anything. I think that we'll see Kaiser start a game. Kessler might get a shot also, so I think that very much up in the air.
1: I I like what they're building here. And I, I loved, you know, we talked about the offensive line with Cincinnati. I loved the idea that the Browns went out and, you know, they paid Joel Batono, gave him an extension. They brought in J.C. Treader, They brought in Kevin Zeitler. They now have an offensive line. You know, we'll see how Sean Coleman and Cam Irving work on the right side. Dude, but, I mean, it's a this,
0: damn good line. It's a damn it good is. line.
1: And Isaiah Crowell is an underrated running back. You know, Duke Johnson is an underrated pass catcher. My boy Matt Day's on the roster. Do you know how old Isaiah Crowell is?
0: Isaiah Crowell has gotta be what, like 24? 25?
1: He's only 24, but yeah. he's been like in the league for, I feel like a while for a 24 year old. It feels
0: like Isaiah Crowell was on like the Tim Couch Kelly Holcomb Browns, you're right.
1: <laughs> I mean, right? Like it just feels like he's been there forever. I wouldn't be surprised, I wouldn't be surprised, well, I would be surprised if this happened, but I'll tell you what, if, if, if you wanted to be like a crazy, if you want to be like bold prediction, well, Isaiah Crowell could lead the league in rushing this year.
0: I don't, I think that might be taking it a little too far. I know you said it is a bold hot take, but he's going to have a – I I could see top five for sure. And you know that's what Hugh's going to want to do. And Hugh's going to get inventive with this offense. His quotes about Duke Johnson lining him up all over the place. Can Corey Coleman stay healthy? If Coleman can stay healthy, him and Kenny Britt, not a terrible one-two punch at wide receiver. And you obviously got to be excited about Miles Garrett. You can be excited about Jabril Peppers in the return game as well. If David Njoku, the rookie tight end, gives you something and Deshaun Kaiser turns out to be okay. Look, the Browns are not going to the playoffs this year. But the building blocks are there for a successful 2018 and beyond. I think the biggest thing here, if you're a Browns fan, is you want to see Deshaun Kaiser take a firm grasp of that quarterback job, Will.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Either that or you want to see Cody Kessler look competent. Um, I I don't, I mean, I don't think Cody Kessler is going to be the future, but they did use a third round pick on him. I mean, in Hugh Jackson said he's special. Look, this team is, it's, if this team wins six games, that's a tremendous job. If this team wins four games and doesn't look like a bunch of bungling idiots, then that's a pretty good job and, and then I think that's what, you, that's what you want. It's just, don't get humiliated this season, right? Last, last year was humiliating for the Browns. You don't want to be humiliated and you want to end up, you know, you're probably going to end up with a top 10 pick, but you just want to look competent, be in some games, lose some close games and win four games and, and you get out of there and you feel pretty good.
0: Well, if there's one team in the AFC that I think could challenge the New England Patriots for a Super Bowl bid, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers.
1: Sure, of course. I mean, look, I will say, and on our latest podcast, and a reminder, you can subscribe and rate and review on iTunes, the Pick 6 Podcast. Just search for it or CBS Football in, in the iTunes store. Jason Lockerford dropped a great nugget. See, that's why the show is great, because these Jason and Pete have these fantastic little nuggets they like to sprinkle all around.
0: While well, you and I do our comedy routines. <laughs>
1: right, right, right. We joke about poop. Uh, the, 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 uh, the Steelers don't know what the deal with Martavis Bryant is. And Le'Veon Bell is on the franchise tag, and he hadn't reported to camp yet, and James Conner's already banged up some little red flags. Nothing major, but some little red flags in terms of this offense because for the Steelers, it doesn't matter if they win 10 games or 12 games or 14 games if they get to the playoffs and they can't hang with the Patriots. Like, that's all that – I mean, like, they went to the AFC Championship game last year and I felt like last season was a big disappointment for yeah, cause
0: them. Cause they got, it, cause they got, it. It, it, it was so bad that game that Roethlisberger considered retiring. That's how bad it was. Yeah, like, like,
1: like, they got humiliated by the Patriots. And if they don't have Martavis Bryant and they don't have Le'Veon Bell at full strength and full capacity, they're not going to hang with the Patriots. This defense is ca- there's a ton of talent on the defense, but Jason Lock was right when he talked about him after he went to camp there. There are, there are a lot of guys who need to take a step forward. And the Steelers are, you know, the Steelers aren't convinced that Bud Dupree is going to be an All-Pro linebacker. Ryan Shazier flashes at times, but, but I mean, a lot of guys have to take a step forward on defense. And they need Bryant, and they need Bell on offense.
0: I think this defense is going to be pretty damn good this year. And I think, like, if you're the Steelers and you want to beat the Patriots, you're not going to beat them by outscoring them. Like, you're not going to beat Tom Brady 41-38. What you got to do is put Tom Brady on his ass. And the teams that have done that successfully and beaten them, the Broncos, with Von Miller, the Giants, and a couple of Super Bowls with their pass rushers. And I think that if, and here we're going to play the if game now, if T.J. Watt can be half the player his brother is coming off the edge, if James Harrison at age 107, still the strongest man in the world, can give you something if Artie Burns steps up. And I like me some Bud Dupree here. If these guys can put Tom Brady down and other quarterbacks down, I give the Steelers a real shot come January to dethrone the Patriots here. I think they're the second-best team in the AFC, one of the uh, top-five team in all of football. But the schedule coming out of the bye, that's week nine, their bye for the Steelers, at Indianapolis. And I think the presumption is that Andrew Luck should be back in time for that game. That's not going to be easy. Host Marcus Mariota and the Titans. Host Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Go to Cincinnati. Host their big rival, the Baltimore Ravens. Go to host the New England Patriots on December 17th. And then on Christmas Day at the Houston Texans in their defense. So Pittsburgh's going to have that murderer's row coming off the bye here. And uh, we'll really get a sense of how good the Steelers team is. Are they ready for primetime, Will, in those f- six games? They're leading up to the cakewalk probably as they host the Browns on New Year's Eve.
1: Man, that is a rough, rough stretch. And then even before it, you know, they open up with the Browns, you have to presume they're gonna win that game. Uh, the, the Steelers do like to egg one layup per year, though. Ryan Wilson has done a study on this. It's it's That's a
0: great point. They all last year in Miami was was a good example. Before, yeah.
1: yeah, I mean they always find a way to lose one game. Like it's either gonna be at Chicago in week three or at Detroit in week eight. And I think that's where if you're if you're or like the Jaguars at home in Week Five, or something it's, like,
0: it's going to be one like like one of those games Pittsburgh will lose.
1: All three, but that's and that's the thing to me. When you look at the stretch, now it's great that they have four of those six games, um, or four of those seven games, excuse me, at at home. You have to win at Chicago. You have to beat Jacksonville at home, and you have to win at Detroit because if you lose one of those games and you still got to play at Kansas City, there's a lot of danger lurking on the on the back half of that schedule.
0: Last year's AFC South champion, the Houston Texans, will a new quarterback? Will it be Tom Savage or Deshaun Watson? One thing's for certain: no matter who it is, it'll probably be better than what they got last year from Brock Osweiler.
1: Yeah, I mean, like my dog is literally having surgery on his testicles right now, and he would be a better option than Brock Osweiler.
0: Wait, King George is like six months old; he's already having testicle surgery.
1: Nine months. We're getting those. We're getting those things removed. He started. To, oh, so he's uh, getting
0: neutered then? He's not having surgery; he's getting neutered.
1: Having, I mean, I would call, I would call being neutered. I would call.
0: No, would call no, being, no, no. no like you've, n- I've never heard someone say my dog's having surgery on his testicles. You say the dog's getting neutered.
1: I mean, I guess I could say that, but I just thought that. Surgery on test. I mean, it is the same thing, right? Is yes, not-
0: but but your point is that your your ballless dog could probably play better than Brock Osweiler did.
1: No, 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 no. I mean, my my currently my dog, who's like in surgery right now with his well, on his testicles, would play better lying down asleep in surgery while his balls are being cut off than Brock Osweiler did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that may be the most damning damning criticism I've ever heard.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's the biggest insult I've ever, I've ever thrown out. It's pretty impressive. Um, I think it's going to be Deshaun Watson. We both agree that he's going to take the starting job. I do worry a little bit because, you know, you obviously a a rookie quarterback has never won the Super Bowl. Uh, I think that it's pretty minimal the number of times a rookie quarterback has been deep in the playoffs. Like you just don't see it a lot. The one that, Uh,
0: that the only one that sticks out in my head was Roethlisberger his rookie year when 15 and 1 and they lost to the Patriots in the AFC title game.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's the same. Mark, did Mark Sanchez go to the conference? Yes, yes, the-
0: yes. Went to, uh, as a rookie, and they lost to Peyton Manning and the Colts.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just hard to go deep in the playoffs as a rookie. I will say that Deshaun Watson is one of those rare rookies to me. Did Russell Wilson go deep? in the? Yeah, Ru- actually, Russell Wilson. They went to
0: the second round and lost in Atlanta to the Falcons.
1: He set the record for most passing yards in a single game by a rookie against Atlanta. That's right. Um It's just hard. I I'd see Deshaun Watson as a gamer, though, a guy who's not afraid of the big stage, a guy who, if – if they got to the playoffs, he could step up and play. But you lose Will Fuller already. You got a holdout situation with Dwayne Brown on the offensive line. I'm not sure that the offensive staff knows how to use Lamar Miller correctly, and that really, really bothers me. I like the addition of Donta Devo- uh, Foreman out of Texas as maybe a uh, not a change of, a change of pace from Lamar Miller. No, he's, Lamar- so, yeah, he's
0: more of a battering ram, Foreman.
1: Yeah. Um, the defense is going to be good. I, I, I mean, I think would, the
0: defense is going to be great.
1: Well, I, I don't. I don't know how much. I mean,
0: well, here's how much better you take. The, you take the best player on defense in the league, maybe not named Darren Donald, and you put him back in there, and JJ Watt.
1: I think I saw a stat on Twitter this morning where it was like, J.J. Watt has the most sacks in the NFL since, like, 2013.
0: Ba- and he barely played, in. and Clowney, Will, was exceptional at the end of last year in the absence of Watt. So now you've got Watt, and you've got Clowney, and you've really? got Whitney Merciless. Now, I think you can worry about the secondary, which lost A.J. Bouye to the Jaguars, but that front seven is going to be menacing, and I love Deshaun Watson. He was my favorite quarterback in this year's draft. I think this kid's going to be special. I think he's a winner. I like the Texans to win the AFC. FC South behind Deshaun Watson. Even if it's Savage in week one, Deshaun Watson at some point is going to win this job. And I think it'll happen early. My thing with Houston, though, is this is not going to be a team, I think, that goes on a deep playoff run because I don't think they could go into Pittsburgh or go into New England or maybe even Kansas City or Oakland or Denver, for that matter, and win on the road in January. But I do think this team does get back to the postseason.
1: They have to win the division, I think. I don't think they're getting in as a wild card. Does that seem fair? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 the one thing that concerns me about Houston more than anything is that they have, that the Browns, and if I guess it were another team, I'd be more concerned, but I hate the idea of having your first and second round pick for next year in somebody else's hands. Yeah. That to me is like a horrible karmic situation where you end up with a top five pick and you have to watch, I mean, not a, you're not going to draft a quarterback, I guess, but, I mean, what if those are two top 50 picks in, like, a deep draft class next year? That's a that's a
0: problem. And it's Rick Smith keeping his job throughout this whole time. I don't know if he's got pictures of Bob McNair or something, but, but Rick Smith, I think, needs his team to play well this year or he could find himself on the hot seat. The Indianapolis Colts, Will, their 2017 season preview can be summed up in a couple words. What the hell is the deal with Andrew Luck's shoulder?
1: I like that this is like my bugaboo, right? I mean, like, I feel, I feel like this is my thing. Am I, I, I mean, am I wrong? Am I, I feel like I'm the one who's beating the drum on this. The cults are lunatics for the way that they've handled this. Not we'll,
0: only are you not wrong, you're a thousand percent right.
1: <laughs> I mean, like, this is my, this is my, uh, not my white whale. I just, I just think it's criminal the way that they've approached Andrew Luck's injury, which he suffered in 2015. Fix his shoulder. I, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a quarterback. Uh, you know, I'm just a man who, who, who thinks it's stupid to let an injury linger for three friggin' years? To your franchise player. Yeah, and it's just, it's just, it borders on malpractice and I think that it probably involves people being more worried about their own current jobs than they are being worried about the future of the franchise and the long-term health. And that's something that you wouldn't see in a situation like New England. You wouldn't see in a situation like Pittsburgh, right? Functional franchises that are, that are planning for the long haul Don't allow this to happen. And I am worried when Andrew Luck starts talking about the possibility he won't play in week one. Uh, He
0: ain't playing. I, I would be shocked if he were out there against Wade Phillips defense with the LA Rams. I would be shocked.
1: I would too. And I've been kind of, I've been kind of leaning that way for a while, but now I wonder, is there a situation where he's not going to be there for the first quarter of the season?
0: Very, I think very possible here. And I think a couple things are noteworthy, right? So Chuck Pagano's on the hot seat. If the Colts don't make the playoffs this year, I think Chuck Pagano's out the door. They have a GM that they just hired, a new GM in Chris Ballard. So you have two conflicts here, right? You have Pagano who needs to win right now, and you've got Chris Ballard who's going to say, hey, look, I've got this contract for X number of years. I can kick my feet up. We can be bad this year, reload for next year. Ballard's not going to push Andrew Luck to get on the field. Why? And screw himself up long-term as the general manager of this team? I think this defense will be better, right, with Malik Hooker and some of the free agent acquisitions, Hankins and Sheard and company. But bottom line, if Andrew Luck's not the quarterback for 16 games, this team's not going to the postseason, and Chuck Pagano's going to be out there. Door.
1: I think I think I think the other thing you gotta factor in too when you t- and you're absolutely hundred percent right. Ballard and Pagano are not their interests are not aligned. that's that's where you run into trouble as a franchise when your coach is trying to do one thing, save his job, and your GM's trying to build for the future. But don't forget too, you also have Andrew Luck, who while he's loaded for a contract, he doesn't want to be on the sidelines waiting. You know, but he also doesn't he wants to make sure his shoulder is healthy for the purpose of his long term career. And so you have Luck trying to sort of he's he's got conflicting interests as well, and then You got old, old sane boy Jim Ursay at the top. You know, he's desperate to get to a Super Bowl. He sees, I mean, look, Andrew Luck is already a veteran in this league who has been around for six years now, five years, six years. Jim Ursay's I would say the butt's getting a little tight in terms of getting to a Super Bowl with Andrew Luck.
0: When you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars roster for the 2017 season, I'm a huge fan of 52 players on that list. But the 53rd and most important, the quarterback, Blake Bortles. Well, if Bortles doesn't get his act together, the Jaguars have no chance this year.
1: Yeah, uh, no question about it. It's, it is odd. And you talk about competing interest. I think that there are some of them going on at Jacksonville as well. Tom Coughlin, now the football czar. Slash head coach who's trying to, fi- slash GM? I mean, like, like, you know that Tom Coughlin has the ability to can Doug Marone and Doug Caldwell if he wants. I mean, just based on the way that the hierarchy works, he has that freedom, I believe. And I would anticipate that he is, he has looked at this situation as, okay guys, you know how I feel about portals. I know how you feel about portals. We'll go into 2017 with portals. If portals stinks, Guess who's getting in trouble? An old Tommy Boy's gonna pull a Barry Alvarez, come flying down from the from the from the front office, red face as hell, storming onto the field, yanking the headset off Marone, pulling up to Dave Caldwell, get out of here, throwing the headset on, yanking portals, throwing Henny in there and like winning three or five games down the stretch to not make the playoffs and go go like five and eleven.
0: Well, I I a couple of really funny things uh here. Can, I, I can't even imagine what Tom Coughlin's like. I would like to be a fly. I would probably pay no joke a hundred bucks to sit in the room with Tom Coughlin and watch him break down Blake Bortles' game film because he's probably just furious watching all of it. And earlier in one of our other previews, you mentioned your dog King George is getting neutered. How about David Caldwell? He got neutered this offseason by yeah. ShotKan and the Jaguars. Here, he's the GM only entitled. Tom Coughlin's running the show now.
1: If Bortles, by, 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 by the way, it is it's it's kind of crazy. That's sort of the same thing that happened to Thomas Dimitrov in Atlanta.
0: Except it worked, yeah, when they brought when they brought in Scott Pioli.
1: Right, right, right. But I'm saying, but like, Dimitrov is, like, the mentor for Dave Caldwell. It's very bizarre how it that works out.
0: It is. Now, with Jacksonville, this defense should be pretty good, right? We can go through all the names, whether it's Ramsey, uh, uh, Fowler, Malik Jackson, Onward, and et cetera, A.J. Bouye, who they just brought in. And I like a lot of the players on this offense. Like, if Cam Robinson can be decent at left tackle, I think he'll be decent. It can't be worse than what they've had the last couple years at that position. Luke Jokel, I'm talking about you. And Leonard Fournette's really good, and I think Alan Robinson has a bounce-back year. This Jaguars team could very well contend for a playoff berth, but Bortles stinks. That's the problem. And do you have any confidence in Bortles to pull it together here?
1: No, and I think the other factor that's underrated on this team is that, you know, you draft Leonard Fournette with the top pick, top five pick in the, in the first round. A year after Ezekiel Elliott goes as a top five pick in the first round and leads the league in rushing. The expectation is that, that Leonard Fournette will flip this offense completely. And I don't think that's going to happen because of the offensive line. And Brandon Albert's not going to play. So I, I am worried that the offensive line is being overlooked because of Blake Bortles and because of Bortles and because of Fournette, this team may struggle on offense a little bit more than people think. Even if the defense is good, if this offense cannot put up 21 points per game, this team's going nowhere.
0: Will, I know that you are bullish on the Tennessee Titans heading into this year.
1: Yes, I love the Titans. I can't believe that I'm buying into Mike Malarkey. But I think for the opposite reasons of the Jaguars, what you have is a team that is consistent and capable of carrying this, this their offense into – Uh, a situation where they can go anywhere and win with their offense. Now, it is a red flag that Corey Davis is dealing with a hamstring injury in training camp, but Taylor DeJuan, Quentin Spain, Ben Jones, Josh Klein, and Jack Conklin, you have a stout offensive line that I think is going to pave the way for both DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry to have close to a 1,000 yards rushing. And I see a a strong season from the Titans. If the defense can come along and guys like Logan Ryan and Adoree Jackson can make impacts right away, then this is going to be a dangerous team that can win 10 plus
0: Yeah, you mentioned those two cornerbacks here because that's been their bugaboo in the last couple of years. Last year, certainly not being able to stop the opposing passing game. And I look at the construction of this roster, and I almost think they're like the AFC's version of the Dallas Cowboys. Maybe not as good, but they're going to try and control the game on the ground, keep the ball out of the other team's hands, and they. I think the Titans maybe have the highest ceiling. Of any team in the AFC South, it's a very, no it's a very, very intriguing roster. It's you can make the case for the Titans to be a ten-win team this year. I think at worst they're going to win what seven games because I think Marcus Mariota is so freaking good and he's just going to keep getting better. Well, I, I am bullish on this team and I think that one way or another, the Titans will be in the playoff hunt the final couple of weeks of this calendar year.
1: Oh, no doubt about it. I think, I think Tennessee just, they can be consistent. They're not going to crate, right? Like any of the other teams in the AFC South, you could see cratering and ending up with the top, the top overall pick or a top five pick. I don't think that's in the cards for Tennessee barring a, just a slew of injuries because of how good that run game should be and how consistent their offense will be.
0: The Denver Broncos, just a couple years removed from a Super Bowl championship in Super Bowl 50, we don't know who the starting quarterback's going to be. Hey, is this last year or is this this year? Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch, Will, competing for the starting job. And from all accounts, from everything you're reading, it looks like Trevor Simeon is the favorite in the clubhouse to be the week one starter Monday night against the L.A. Chargers.
1: Reading Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports on Sunday night uh, writing about this, everyone, if you're a Broncos fan, you should be very concerned because basically – Simeon, they, it's, it's set up so Lynch wants, to, they, everybody wants Lynch to win the job. He's a first round pick. No surprise. He can't take the job. And Simeon is, is winning by default, but not winning. He's better. He's just, he's just, he's more polished. He's and not less, as bad. Right. And so, you know, Robinson had a quote in there from Von Miller who's like, look, we don't need an elite offense. We just need our offense to be good with our defense. If our offense is good, we can make a run. And that's, I mean, that's how they did it in the Super Bowl year. I don't think the offense is going to be that good, and I worry a lot about not just running the ball, but also especially passing the ball in, the, in the, for this team. Demarius Thomas and Manny Sanders, great weapons there. I'm not sure it's going to matter. I don't think this offense is going to be very good. and I, I think this this could be the worst team in the AFC West.
0: I think this could be the worst team since John Elway took over um, as, as as the football czar. And the, my favorite Paxton Lynch nugget from training camp, Will. Like, like, when you're in seven on seven drills, like, you want the quarterback to throw the ball. I was reading that, like, he's taking off and running on passing drills. Like, yeah. like, 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 what the hell, dude? Like, you're supposed to throw it in these practices. You're not supposed to run the football. Um, you nailed it on the, the offense. The offense is going to be most likely not great. I'm nervous. About the defense, the Shane Ray injury is a huge concern for me. I don't think this front seven is as strong as it's been in past years. They still haven't replaced Malik Jackson, who left last year. And I think it's going to be so much pressure on that great cornerback trio of Tlaib, Chris Harris, and Bradley Roby. I just I just don't know about this Broncos team. I think you're going to be able to run on them, and that's where I think teams will have some success. I'm with you, buddy. I think the Broncos are closer to maybe being the fourth-place team in this division than they are being the first-place team in this division.
1: 21, 20, 21st in rush defense DVOA at Football Outsiders last year. Number one in past events, number one overall defense, but you see some cracks starting to form there against the run, and that's where you start to get worried because – Defenses less likely to be consistent year-to-year than offenses. I I, This could be a bad year for them.
0: And also worth noting, obviously, the switch in defensive philosophy a slight bit, right, when you have a new head coach in Vance Joseph who specializes on defense and Wade Phillips now in L.A. with the Rams. Last year's AFC West champion, Will, the Kansas City Chiefs. Do you think we'll be seeing a repeat in 2017?
1: I don't, but that's not because I don't like Kansas City. Uh, I, I'm a little, by the way, I'm a little bit worried about Kansas City and their tur- uh, turmoil filled offseason. I also think offensively, I love Andy Reid. Andy Reed, Andy Reid's great. He's an under, uh, Andy Reid's criminally underrated. I, I think Patrick Mahomes is the highest ceiling of any quarterback in this draft class because he went to Kansas City and he gets to sit for a year. I think Kareem Hunt is a guy that fits well with what Andy Reid wants to do.
0: People like him a lot, Kareem Hunt. A lot of positive it's,
1: buzz. He's Spencer Ware and Sharkandra West. CJ, excuse me, CJ Spiller is there too. Are these sort of backfield weapons that work with what, you know, Reed likes these pass catching backs. But then you have, I don't know, Tyreek Hill is, is, was tremendous. Oh,
0: I think, I think he's going to have a big year again. I think but he's, he's going to be but, amazing. But he's not a number one wideout. They don't, no, they, well, they, no, they, but their number one wideout is Travis Kelsey in essence. And I know he's not actually, uh, he's, uh, sure, sure, he's sure. A, a nominal tight end, but he's their number one option.
1: I just think the ceiling, and look, Jeremy Macklin doesn't take the top off of this offense or anything, but I just think the ceiling of this offense is still capped. And that's the problem if you're Kansas City. Like, if, 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 it, if it's, I mean, they could, the Steelers didn't score a touchdown and in the and, and, game. And was, still won that game. Which
0: is, which is, which is embarrassing. And, it's humiliating.
1: I, I just, they just can't, this team cannot go deep in the playoffs with an offense that has a restrictor plate on it.
0: Well, this is what I'm thinking here. Cause I think the Chiefs are good enough to get into the playoffs, whether it's as a wildcard team or as the division champion. If this offense is struggling down the stretch here, I would not be shocked if Andy Reid made the move to Patrick Mahomes.
1: I, I, I could see that. I mean, look, it happened with Alex Smith in San Francisco with Colin
0: Kaepernick. And Kaepernick took him to a Super Bowl. Now, I don't think either of us is saying that would happen with Kansas City, especially with the Patriots and the Steelers still in the AFC. But I don't think it's impossible here. And one thing here that kind of depresses me as a Giants fan will, November 19th, Kansas City travels to New York to take on my beloved Big Blue, and they will be coming off the bye. Andy Reid off the buy. Andy <laughs> Reid off the <laughs> buy. I actually got tweets will this weekend. People can't wait for you and I to sing that song like we did last year on the Rough and podcast. It's,
1: it's free friggin' money. The, I mean, like it, Andy Reid's gonna be playing, and he's a team he knows well in terms of the Giants. He played against them forever when he was in um, when he was in Philly. That's free money. What's the line on that? If, if if it's in New York, that means the Giants are gonna be favored,
0: and they it's, shouldn't be. Do you know why? Because it's and, Andy Reid it, off the buy. Andy Reid off the buy. Oh, a team that both of us are high on, Will, that I feel like a lot of people are not high on, is the former San Diego, now Los Angeles Chargers.
1: Sure. The Chargers have done the most Charger thing possible, which is <laughs> suffer see- like potential season-ending injuries <laughs> to both their first and second round picks before the preseason is even... It's, because- it's
0: incredible, man.
1: ...thereby snuffing out any potential for sleep- for sleeper factors, and so... Let's say hypothetically, Nick, that I have a bet on the Chargers to win X number of games and maybe even a bet on the Chargers to win the Super Bowl, uh, already pending. I'm a little miffed that they lost their first two picks, but I am glad to see some of the hype die down because I don't want the Chargers getting hype. I, I want the Chargers, I want people sleeping on the Chargers, not talking about them because I want, I want the hype. I want, I want to be, I want them to be a, a, a sneaky attack team. And here's what's interesting. Those injuries to Mike Williams and Forrest Lamp are, are probably more the Forrest Lamp one's way more concerning. He's out for the year. He, I think he was going to start the season on that offensive oh, line. Oh, no doubt. Now you need third-round pick Dan Feeney to be a factor either at guard or you know somewhere. But Philip Rivers has made a, a, a living agreed out, out of out of creating chicken salad with some of the worst possible ingredients like not even chicken bleep. Like it's like it's like other animals bleep. that he's making chicken <laughs> salad with. Like that's really impressive. And He's still got Keenan Allen. He's still got Tyrell Williams. He still has Hunter Henry, Travis Benjamin, Antonio Gates, Melvin Gordon. There are still lots of weapons here for Philip Rivers to work with. If they can protect him a little bit, I think that the Chargers offensively will be fine. It's on defense that I think the Chargers can make a huge leap if they get a little bit of luck in terms of health. Jason Verrett, Casey Hayward, you're talking about quality cornerbacks. It's
0: good corner core. Yep.
1: Denzel Perryman really emerged as a, as a, as a talented off, uh, linebacker, excuse me. And then I think when you have Gus Bradley, and I, I don't know, I mean, like, I, I mean, I assume this is going to be more of a 4-3-ish style, yep. uh, defense that he's going to run. Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram Stuts. coming off edges, that's going to be really dangerous. Like, like to me, th- this defensive line with Brandon, Brandon Ebane, Corey Legit, Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa, you talk about a team that could give the Patriots trouble. It's getting pressure with four guys. And now look, again, they gotta stay healthy. Dude,
0: it's a great call by you. You're 100% right.
1: I mean, Bosa and Ingram, if they, if they play to their potential, this defense could be top five and, and I would not be surprised. If the Chargers win this division, but I understand why people don't expect it to happen because the Chargers like to charge.
0: And, 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 a, and a tale of two schedules here leading up to the bye. So listen to this. So they have the Monday night game in Denver week number one. Then three straight games at home in their new spacious 30,000 seat soccer I, I, stadium.
1: I, I like the small soccer stadium factor. I think it's going to be loud and fun.
0: So we will see if people in L.A. care enough to go to the games Miami, Kansas City, and Philly, all at home, weeks two through four. So you're thinking they could be three and one going into week five. And then at the Giants – Playoff team last year. At the Raiders, playoff team last year. Hosting the Broncos, who won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. And then before the bye, how about a trip to Foxborough against the New England Patriots? So I think we'll get a great sense as to if this Chargers team is a contender or pretender before their bye week in week number nine. And, Will, it look like the Oakland Raiders on their way to winning the AFC West last year before the Derek Carr injury. Now Carr's back, he's healthy, and he's the highest-paid player in the history of the National Football League. How are you feeling about the Raiders the silver and black this year.
1: Uh, look, there's a good reason to be bullish about the Raiders because they played so well. They have this core on defense that's emerging, led by Khalil Mack, and a core on offense with Derek Carr, uh, Amari Cooper, and you know, look, you added Marshawn Lynch this offseason. Beast mode. I do think that people are probably a higher higher than they should be, given that Lynch, 30 year old back, coming out of retirement. And the Raiders got real, real lucky last offseason, especially late in games. It would not surprise me, Nick, to see the Raiders take a little step back. They got a tough schedule. You got the Patriots. Of course you got the Broncos on there. The Giants, you're at the Chiefs late. I mean, listen to this stretch. After the bye in week 10, Patriots at home, Broncos at home, Giants at home, at Chiefs, Cowboys at home, at Eagles, at Chargers, because the NFL is worried too that they don't want, they don't want Oakland. Like if, if the team is going to move to Vegas, You don't want to have those late games in December in Oakland with nobody showing up. That's a brutal schedule after the bye.
0: Yeah, it's not going to be easy. And I think you can make the case, and I'm with you, I think that they'll have some regression in terms of wins and losses. But you could easily make the case that the Raiders could be a better team ultimately than they were last year. If Carr's healthy, this is a team that could, in theory, challenge Pittsburgh, challenge New England come January in the AFC playoffs because you love the weapons on offense, you love the trigger man in Carr, and you got to like this defense here, which is improving. If Gary and Conley can give you something at cornerback, and obviously Khalil Mac is such a stud here. Um, I think the Donald Penn situation will resolve itself. Not concerned about that. I think this is a playoff team, Will. I think it just is whether or not you think they win the division or whether they get it as a wild card.
1: Yeah, I will say the Donald Penn holdout thing is, like, I, I agree. It'll figure itself out. You, you want to get that guy paid. That's a big – this offensive line is, is really the key here, and it's loaded, and Reggie Mc has done a great job building it up. But you need to get there, and you, you, you want to make sure – I don't think you want to – He's on Donald Penn.
0: We we can't finish this preview of the Raiders without talking Marshawn Lynch. What are you expecting from Beast Mode?
1: I mean, I think if he went 750 yards, I would say great season. If he goes a thousand yards, it's like, all right, Beast Mode, you're the man. I I buy. Yeah, I'm sorry for any criticism, dude. He's old. He's. I mean, like he's he can't be if if they come out of the gates and get 30 carries a game. Not happening. Three or four weeks, then they're going to end up losing late. And so I think you got to be careful. You got to manage his workload. And uh, I, I am I am a little bit bearish on Marshawn Lynch.
0: And I think the name to watch in that backfield, Jalen Richard, Really like him behind Marshawn Lynch. Will you think the Raiders a playoff team?
1: I have them as a wild card team at ten and six.
0: All right, good. All right, we we, we should we should record a close here, right? Uh, yeah. Go ahead, you do it. Coming down in three, two, one. All right,
1: that's our preview of the AFC teams. You can check out these individually in the post as we write up stories for each of them. You can follow Nick at the Costas, me at Will Princeton. Subscribe, rate, reveal on iTunes. We'll also have our regular shows throughout the week, three times a week, leading up to the season. Pick six, podcasts. See you later.